Today, I have a very special guest, and we are talking all about tiny offers. And y'all, do not leave me because this conversation, as always, goes off. And it's not just about what type of offer you're creating, but what type of life and business you're creating. We're going to dig into some mindset and talk all about a tiny offer funnel and more. This is not an episode to miss. So let's jump on in. Welcome to the Serve Scale Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Hey, 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 Serve Scale Store. Oh my goodness. I am so excited because I have a good friend, Allie, today. And you probably know her as the Tiny Offer Queen. And she is so amazing. I've loved getting to know you, Allie. And I'm so excited to share you with my audience. So tell everyone a little bit about who you are as a person and then about your business. Oh my gosh, Randy. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Gosh, where do I start? Uh, So as a person, I am a mother of three. We live in Northern Minnesota. We really like to travel, take road trips, explore all over the place. I have been an entrepreneur for about a decade now, which I hate saying because it always makes me feel way older than I actually think I am. But um, I started out as a service provider. I did social media. I did. I built websites, WordPress websites. Uh, Then I started to learn how to build funnels and run ads. And after about eight years of doing it for other people, I finally launched my own funnel um, and it was a a runaway success. And I'm still amazed to this day uh, what kind of results we got from that funnel. And now I've stepped into the consulting world, teaching other people how to build that type of funnel. I love that. And so one thing that I see on your Instagram all the time is it's cold right now where you are. Yeah. And I see it and I'm like, and it's like 20 degrees outside. (laughs) Yeah, we're having a cold front and it's 70. And I'm oh like, yeah. <laughs> I see your Wonderful. stories and I'm like, it is so cold where she is. Yeah. But okay. So I love how you are such a mom first. And most of my listeners are, and you have this business. And I love how you said you started out as a service provider. And most of the audience listening, they are service providers. And I teach my audience about package hacking. You know, like I know you're in ClickFunnels, so it's funnel hacking and all that. And then we have package hacking, which is where you go check out other people's packages as a service provider and kind of see what the going rate is and build your own around that. And I don't know. Okay. I did tell you this in Nashville. And (laughs) so it's so funny, y'all. When I came on to the online space, I found Allie's website somehow. I don't know how it came. And it was when I wanted to start doing Facebook ads and I had no idea what to charge, like none. And I come across your website and it's like so beautiful. And then I think I bought your ca- your like content calendar for posting. And then I saw like your packages and I literally 
your packages became my packages <laughs> with a awesome. few modifications. And I was like, she's amazing. I'm going to grow up and be like her. You're so <laughs> so and that's so funny. <laughs> such like a full circle moment. So, um, I thought I told you that in Nashville and then I was like, maybe I did it. So yeah. <laughs> you did. So but that's I'm, how it goes, you know, yeah. you have to figure out what's working for other people and hopefully pack a check someone who's doing well with it and, and model it. But yeah, I love that. So, and this is so funny because today we're going to talk about tiny offers and the way I entered your world, it had to be, but I know that I purchased your content calendar or I don't know if it was a content calendar, but like what to post video, the live stream one. Yeah. Yeah. The live stream, the the original tiny offer. Yeah. So tell us what is a tiny offer? So the way I teach it and other people call it different things. So the way I teach tiny offers is that it's a front offer that's usually $50 or less. I've had them for $27 or up to $47. And then it takes the user through a sequence of other offers that complement that first offer. And we we can go into the whole strategy of it. But typically, it's the main offer. And then there's an order bump on the checkout page. And then there's a one-time offer, at least one one one-time offer after the fact inside of the cart. And that one's usually about $77 or more. I love this. And so what a lot of, and we, I think in 2020, you started really, you know, so another name, some of you may have heard SLO. So self-liquidating offer, and this is similar to what Allie's teaching, but I think in 2020, you really blew up or maybe it was 2019. And then like, we saw these everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Like everywhere. (laughs) So sorry. Everyone had them and then everyone wanted to teach them and all this stuff. And so I think this is also, we're going to talk about tiny offers, but I think there is something to be said about trademarking and registered trademarking. And so tiny offer, the term tiny offer is a registered trademark. And so can you, I know you're not an attorney, but quickly tell us why um, you decided to do that and kind of like when it's okay to use tiny offer when it's not. That's a really good question. And to be honest with you, I think I did it wrong because I had already been calling them tiny offers before I trademarked it. I should have trademarked it sooner. And it almost became like an industry standard in a way, which sounds a little cocky to say that way. But like people were using it in conversation like, oh, I need a tiny offer or I'm working on my tiny offer. And I kept seeing that as my trademark was being pushed through. And I'm like, so what am I going to do? Go back and tell everyone you're not allowed to say that anymore. But after you file a trademark, you have to protect it. You can't pick and choose when you defend it or when you you say it. So in context of the tiny offer being the SLO funnel, that's when it's like against the rules to say tiny offer. But I, you know, like you said, a lot of people do teach it. So I've seen many offers. I've seen a lot of variations that I won't necessarily name, but um, you know, there are a lot of people who teach it. And I'm glad that I trademarked it when I did. I just would have been a little more savvy at like how I use it in sentences and not not calling it like, oh, launch your tiny offer. It would be tiny offer registered trademark system. So then it's like my system. So I mean, I learned a lot <laughs> in the process, but I'm, I'm glad that I did some level of protection because it helped me take down some competitors that were using it in their ads or were, you know, like trying to completely not just like model, but copy exactly what I was doing. And it definitely helped save that and have things taken down that were a little too close or could have overstepped their bounds and cut into my profitability or caused market confusion. Like that was another big thing too. And I think that's an important thing that people don't understand is Surf Seal Store is now registered trademark. And I fought 
registering it for a long time because I was like, oh, I don't need to do this and stuff. And then as soon as we started the process, it's a year long process. Like it's not a quick process. And so during that time of, you know, registering and everything, we had two people that it did cause market confusion because it was very similar. And we got some backlash. Like, why are you going after another company when you're supposed to be like for all? And it's not necessarily like, Hey, I want to take down this other company. Just like you said, it's, Hey, we have to protect it or you lose it. And that's the law. And it like sucks sometimes, but like, it's how it works when you have a registered trademark. So I think that's just, I wanted to set the context of like, Hey, if you're going around talking about tiny offer, make sure that we're using <laughs> it in the correct, yeah, like it's yeah. Allie's tiny offer. So using it in the correct manner and not just throwing around registered trademarks. And I think the more light we can bring to this, to the online space, the better, because I don't think anyone's purposely doing these things in most cases. Now there are some, but right. like most people just don't know. Yeah. And so I yeah, thought this I would be great. That. I didn't even know we were going there, but I we, and that. I know I didn't give you the questions and I totally threw it off, but I think sometimes it's really important to bring up these things just to educate people on yeah. what that looks like. Okay. So yeah. now back to the non-legal stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, like I think a lot of people come in and hear tiny offer or SLO and great. This sounds so much easier than a course, a membership group coaching. And this is what I'm going to be able to like get rid of all my clients and replace my income. And so let's chat about what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, it can lead to that, but especially, I mean, you and I were chatting a little bit before we started recording that things have changed a lot in the last couple of years with ads and just how profitable they are, you know, what it, what it costs to make a sale from a Facebook ad. So the way that we've shifted into teaching it now is everyone should have a tiny offer funnel, but know that it should lead to a a higher ticket course or a group coaching program, or even like a one-on-one VIP type offer, it's still going to provide a lot of the same things that it does, you know, so it checks off a lot of the boxes, like having limitless visibility and being, you know, around the the interwebs at all times. So when you're not in that like feast and famine launch mode that I've seen a lot of people get into and you just, you're able to test and optimize and be growing your list every single day. Plus, I mean, like getting notifications on your phone while you're doing a podcast interview that you're making sales is pretty awesome. So just the like momentum that comes from having this type of funnel and like the trust you build with yourself for getting it done and getting it launched. There's still a lot of really positive things around it. Yeah. And I 100% agree. We, uh, you know, ours took off and did really well. We had two of them that we rotated around and in 2020, they like crushed it. They ran at 50% profitability, brought in multiple six figures. But then after the ads change, they still like, they're still a little bit profitable, but not as profitable. So we decided to take, remove them from Facebook ads. And now they're just like out there it's they're just out there. We actually don't know how people are finding them, but they are out there. Awesome. And the great thing about that is they bring in several thousand dollars a month without us putting any promotional material back there. And it yeah. builds this strong level, like you were saying, omnipresence and no like and trust factor. Yeah. And so when we're talking about this, who is a tiny offer for? When should someone be like, okay, I'm gonna do this? Is it for only course creators? Is it for service providers? Who is a tiny offer really for? I think it depends on your expectations behind the tiny offer because I think, you know, any of like the big three niches that the health, wealth, and relationships, any of those could have one. But if you're going to have 
something that's not necessarily in like the business development space or it's hard to sell a template or even if your buyers aren't trained to want to buy something that's high ticket, it just needs to be a little bit different strategy. So I think if you have a pain point that you can solve for someone and there's something that people are like staring at the ceiling in the middle of the night, like they can't sleep and they're like, oh, I really wish I could do X, Y, Z, then the chance is high that someone will see your ad and and want to buy it or want to learn more. I've had people reach out about their tiny offers not working or their funnels not working. And it's often in a niche that people aren't really looking to buy anything in. You know, So making sure there's demand. I mean, even looking if there are competitors in your field, if other people are selling things, that's a good sign. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, it's already been done. But it is actually a good sign if there are other offers in your niche. And as a service provider, just because I know that a lot of your listeners probably are service providers, it's like choosing which path you want to go down. If you're going to step into that peer level expert of like, oh, I'm going to help other designers have this process or other designers do something easier versus I'm going to more like business to consumer. I'm going to try to reach out to people who might potentially hire me. There's like the two different tracks that people could go on there. Awesome. So if a, let's say a podcast manager is trying to land more one-on-one clients and she's like, okay, I'm going to create a tiny offer because that's going to lead to getting more done for you clients. Is that a smart strategy? Do you have any examples of that working for getting clients? Yeah. I mean, I think it, if you are, (laughs) there's like two different ways to think about it. You could either overwhelm them with so much information that they're like, oh my gosh, I just don't want to do this. This is way too much. Or you could create a tiny offer that helps them get to the position where it would make sense for them to hire you to manage it, depending on where, where you pick up where they left off, if that makes sense. It's the same with designers. Like if if you help them prep for their website or it's like a checklist for what copy they would need. You know, if you're a podcast person, you could figure out what what do they need to have ready or what would qualify them to be a really good candidate to work with you and then create the tiny offer in a way that like sets them up for success and also shows you like, oh, this is going to be a dream client. We're we're totally on the same wavelength. I love that because I teach intensives and I always say, don't hold back during intensive, overwhelm them with so much information that they're like, there's no way Um, (laughs) that I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to hire you. And I think that going into this, it would actually probably be more beneficial to not overwhelm them, but give them that steps to get them set up to even work with you. And so I love those examples that you gave. And even if someone's not necessarily going to buy the tiny offer, you can think about the whole content journey too, or the customer experience of if they see your ad and you're saying like, I'm a, you know, expert podcast manager, you know, you kind of like build that social proof in your ad. Someone else might see the ad. And even if they don't want to necessarily buy the tiny offer, they could still go to your website. They could go follow you on Instagram. So as long as you as the expert have figured out what those internal paths can look like, you can still get clients from having offer or having your tiny offer out there that aren't even buyers necessarily. When I just joined Inner Circle with Russell Brunson and I was really, really nervous afterwards, like on the last day to go introduce myself and be like, hi, I'm Allie. Like, I'm really excited to be here. And he was like, oh, Allie, like, I know you. I recognize your face. I've seen your ads. And I was like, oh my gosh, Russell Brunson knows who I am, but only because I have this system set up and I have ads running. If I didn't have that running where I'm like randomly showing up in his newsfeed all the time, that wouldn't have happened. 
And I think it's so funny what ads do. They make you like, it's kind of like a YouTube channel. Like whenever someone has a YouTube channel, they're instantly famous, famous because they yeah. have a, they could have 50 followers and it doesn't matter. They're famous because they're on YouTube. Right. Same thing with podcasting, like especially with podcasting because no one sees how many downloads you have. So they're yeah. like, you have a podcast, you're famous. And I think the same thing happens with ads. People will message me and be like, oh my gosh, I saw your ads. Like, or like friends from high school and they're like, you're famous. And I'm like, no, I just put, <laughs> give like Mark Zuckerberg right. money, but yeah. sure. Yeah, exactly. And so it does it's create the weirdest this thing. thing. It is. So with that, how much money, and this may be like, cause I know my audience is like, well, first off, let's say, do you actually need to have ad spend or know how to run Facebook ads in order to have a successful tiny offer. No, and there are more and more ways to use it organically that I'm starting to talk about because I've seen people get in and try to run their own ads and get frustrated and then they they like have tunnel vision on and they forget how to be marketers and how to think about all the other places that their people are hanging out that if they would, you know, mention it in an Instagram story or have it in their email signature or even put it as their, you know, like cover photo and Facebook. There's so many ways to use it as an asset. I mean, it's kind of replacing the freebie in a way where now, you know, you're building your list with buyers instead of just like the freebie seekers, but there's a lot of different places that obviously running ads or paying for advertising of some sort is going to pour gasoline on that fire. So if you already have an ad or not an ad, if you already have a tiny offer that's working well organically, that's a really good place to start. But you can't multiply by zero, right? So if you haven't made any sales or if it's not a good offer, you're just going to spend a lot of money to find out that it's not working. So I always recommend that people start organically too, to get that, get that oomph and the momentum to see if the offer is going to convert or not first. And it's so funny that you said like in your email footer, because I was like, I have no idea where people are finding it. It's oh, yeah. it's in there. It's in yeah. there. It's like yeah. number three, I think. So yep. that means we're That's making awesome. several thousand dollars a month from our tiny offer with it being just in our email and we're, yeah. we don't promote it anywhere else. It's just in the PS section. Yeah. And so my next question is, okay, they validated it through organic and now they're like, okay, we're going to get in the ad game. We're going to see where this takes us right now. How much is your typical student spending per day to get traction with their tiny offer? Uh, usually about 30 to $100 per day. Uh, I think right now I'm spending like $450 a day. So not, I mean, as it's all relative, right? But not for what I have spent in the past, it's kind of just chugging along at a, a middle of the road type ad spend. But I think having that mindset of having a budget to test and to figure out who your audiences are and throw spaghetti at the wall a little bit until you figure out what messaging sticks, what audiences are the best, um, which ads are going to get the most traction, and then shifting into uh, optimizing those ads or like duplicating those ads and running, spending a little bit higher budget on the ones that you know are working, but also having tracking set up because that's another thing that I've found is it's a lot harder to tell what is working from the ad side. And are you using a third party? You're using Wicked Report, or not Wicked Reports, Hyros, right? Yes. And I hate to even admit that because it's it's a very expensive tool. But I mean, I'd love to know what alternatives you recommend for people too. I don't know. I would recommend Hyros or Wicked Reports or anything for most people, unless you're spending enough. And I'll be honest, we have been with, we tried Hyros, we tried Wicked Reports, and we're just not spending enough 
for it to make sense to spend, you know, we're talking 500 to a thousand dollars a month. Um, so it doesn't make sense for everyone to use those. You can use things like UTM codes with Google, or if you're only running, you know, like if you're only keeping your ad campaign, super simple, $30 a day, maybe you don't need to know all the nitty gritty. And so you just start off with what you have and just know. And so there is ways to do this. I think the cheapest, most affordable way is to use UTM codes or duplicating your funnel. So that the only place that people are coming from, like you have the same funnel. One is that you put on your website, Instagram, all those organic places. And then the other one you're just running ads to, you're not necessarily going to know which audience is performing the best but you will know if the ads are performing at some level. And yeah. so I think there's definitely cheaper ways. And then there's some ninja hacks too, with like yeah. using Zapier and Google sheets and active campaign. And like, there's a lot you can do. I'm, <laughs> we'll yeah, I mean, there's the weeds, definitely, but it's, yeah, you don't, people who just look at the tracking, they're like, Oh, I could never run ads anymore. You can get pretty creative and figure out what's working. Yeah, absolutely. And more and more programs are making it easier. So like Kajabi has built-in conversion API. Thrivecard has conversion API built-in. And so it's going to become easier to track. Everyone's just trying to figure this out. Apple kind of like screwed everyone over and everyone's trying now to figure it out. And I do think it will come to a solution. I've already seen ad costs from other clients. There's coming down. But I know, speaking of ads, I have a lot of ad managers that listen and they're going to want to know, are you running yours? I'm not going to ask for full strategy, y'all. This is not what this is about. <laughs> but are you running yours as traffic campaigns or conversion campaigns? Um, conversion campaigns. Okay. There but I think we do have some traffic campaigns too. Like we're testing. Yeah. So I know um, a lot of people have with webinar registrations, not necessarily tiny offer, but webinar registrations that typically have worked really well with running as conversion. Now we're seeing way lower cost and better leads coming in with traffic. So it's one of those things you just have to test, see what works and start. Like Allie said, you could start at $30 a day, keep your like super simple. And I will ask how much money running in ads would you say is like, if you've ran this much and haven't got a sale, like turn the thing off. Yeah. Usually we say um, like a thousand impressions. Okay. of the ad. And then we watch click-through rate if it's not 1% or higher. And you can correct me if you tell people other things, but that's just what we've based it on. And you know, once you've gotten those thousand impressions, watching what they're doing on the sales page, because it's that game of how do we get ad costs down and get profitability on the funnel or get you know your average cart value up. And knowing there's there's a lot of different holes to plug on that type of funnel. So looking at all the different steps. And so with all this being said, some of you are listening and you're like, wait, what? (laughs) And I think that comes back to people, I think automatically go to low ticket offer means like quickest way to entry, quickest way to make money, quickest funnel to get up. And I was telling my team when I did my first SLO funnel, I was like, oh my gosh, this was probably the most complex funnel I've ever done. And so for someone who's like, hey, I know no funnels. I know nothing about ads. Like I don't have an offer yet. Nothing on the back end. Would you say it's the right time for them to start with a low ticket? Or do you think that there's a better path that they can start with? Yeah. I mean, I think beginning with the end in mind is always great advice and thinking 
about if you have a high ticket, what could you package up inside of the high ticket? But it is easier to start with something that's, I mean, one-on-one services are always going to be the easiest thing to sell. So starting with that and really listening to people and seeing what questions they're asking, it's going to make it infinitely easier than guessing on what your tiny offer could be. And then realizing that one didn't work. And now you have to try a different topic. As long as you're balancing your creativity in a way and your how much bandwidth you have, you can do one-on-one coaching. And then if you do something or you create something for that client or with that client, think about how you could templatize it or turn it into that tiny offer. And another thing is like the hybrid of selling a workshop first or doing something live with people and then taking that content and chopping it up and turning it into the content for the tiny offer. There's a lot of ways that you can (laughs) path of least resistance, like get yourself to do it without saying, okay, I have to sit down and I need eight different modules to this thing. And then I got to build a funnel and write the copy and figure out ads. Like There is a lot to it, but there are some ways to simplify it for yourself and have that minimal viable product just to get it out to the market and see if people are going to buy it before you know, getting into the weeds of how many upsells should I have or what should this hook be on this page? You know, once you get some proof, then you can go back and optimize. I love that. And you brought up two points that I really want to highlight. And one of them was like, you said that maybe you tried this and it doesn't work and you try this. And I think that's one thing that so many people in the online space, especially coming, I think it happens across the board. And maybe it's just because I work with service providers, but being a service provider, you can make cash real quick and you <laughs> yeah. may not even like what you're doing. You may not even be that great at what you're doing, but like you can make cash quick and yeah. it's always the fastest path to cash in my opinion. And you said the same thing, mm-hmm. but I think what happens is, and also it's quicker to pivot as a service provider, but you said, if it doesn't work, like let's try a different offer. And this is one place that I see like, so many people get stuck is their first idea, their first offer doesn't work and they're not willing to like make that pivot and try something else. So yeah. I I know with us, we have multiples. Delighted with Dubsado was our first low ticket. It took off, like went through the roof. We copied it exact same funnel with some copy change, did HoneyBook in a hurry, changed up a few of the templates. And <laughs> I awesome. thought that that one was so much better because it's more, we have a deal with HoneyBook and they can like install all of it for you. You're not recreating anything. Wow. And Delighted with Dubsado just like crushes it. And so if I would have so started awesome. off with HoneyBook in a hurry, I probably would have got frustrated. And a lot of people at that point would have been like, okay, I'm done. Tiny offers don't work. Mm-hmm. And that's what the story they tell themselves. So what is advice for someone who launches one and it flops, no one purchases, or maybe only two people purchase or something like that? Yeah, that's funny because I did the exact same thing. I had live stream 365 and then I was like, oh, story library 365. Like, Let's go to Instagram stories and see. It was meh, like broke even, but it was never super profitable and I didn't feel excited about it. And anyway... Um, but when I first launched Livestream 365, the first two times I launched it, it didn't work. And I waited six, like, I think like six months in between launches. So that's a that's like a million dollars I could probably have now if I would have just like optimized it faster. But I I told myself that, like, oh, this isn't gonna work for me, or strangers will never buy from me. I'm, you know, better suited just sticking with what I know. And then I'd put it on the shelf. And then something would happen where I'd be like, I'm done. I need a passive income product or I need a funnel and then I would launch it again. And it took really listening to the audience and pivoting the concept of the product entirely for it to work. 
before, like the first time it was um, <laughs> live stream sales system for life coaches, like, and nobody bought it. And then it was like just live stream sales system. And again, nobody bought it. So I had to really like dig in a year later and think about what people actually wanted and what excuses they were telling themselves about why they weren't doing live streams. And then I finally realized it's because people think they don't know what to say. And if I just tell them what to say, they believe they'll do live streams. In the funnel, I ended up teaching them the same exact sales system that I was going to teach them before, but under a different name or like it had a different bow on it and it got their attention based on what they think they need. So I think a lot of people don't really listen as much as they should either. And like I'm lurking in Facebook groups all the time and I always see what people are like, just what their thoughts or are, how they're framing things or what they're saying. And it gives me so much information about just the, the reigning beliefs of the market in general. So listen, um, but also money loves speed is like one of my favorite quotes. Money loves energy and money loves speed. And the faster you can move in between failures, the more money you're going to end up having in your pocket just because you're not married to it. You're not so attached that it like has to look a very specific way that you can get creative and you can... I thought just telling people what to say was a terrible idea. I'm like, they're, you know, everyone's going to do the same live streams and it's going to be weird. And But that's what people wanted is just tell me what to say and I'll do it. So when I launched what they were asking for, that's when it finally worked. And I think that's we I, as a company, I have on my click up a reoccurring task every single month on the same day to go do my message mapping that I teach in beta to biggie. And even like people are like, wait, you still do message mapping like you have these. I'm like, absolutely. Because the messaging yeah. sometimes needs to change with the times and what people are needing. And yeah. so if we don't do that, or we get complacent on our messaging, that's when mm-hmm. things start to go downhill. And um, I love what you said about like not being attached to it and just moving forward. Because now that I'm thinking like my first low ticket funnel was actually a year before I launched conversions for clients, which became a million dollar course. And it was a 40, I went through the one funnel away challenge and it was a $47 product course on Facebook ads and only three people bought. And I was like, screw this. Like I'm going to just be a service provider. Three people buy that. Well, my marketing wasn't there. The messaging wasn't, I mean, like, yeah, I wasn't, it just wasn't there. So I just said, I'm going to be a service provider so much easier. And then six months later, we launched serve scale sword that got it. And then almost a year later, I launched conversions for clients and it was like million dollars, just like with um yours you said you missed out probably on a million dollars because you got too attached and i got too attached to that thinking that it was just a failure it wasn't for me and these stories that we tell ourselves are costing us so much money yeah and more importantly it's costing us like time with our family it's costing us because now we're working 10 times harder because we told ourselves that it wasn't going to work for us yeah that's so funny we both have very similar stories Yeah. (laughs) yeah I was listening to a Peloton meditation this morning for high achievers, which you know I obviously really resonate with. And he was talking about this attachment that we get where it has to look a certain way and that the haste makes waste thought process is so like for a lot of high achievers, it's like, I have to do this fast and I have to do, you know, go further faster and get it done. And, and that can cause some sloppy behavior or thought patterns. And we, you can't be creative in that space and you can't have, you know, you can't, just step away and let things flow. And, you know, if we get into like woo woo and manifesting, 
it's just believing that it's possible and having thoughts that back that up, that you can have an offer that works for you. And, and then you get creative and you can figure out how to detach and just let it happen and listen. But yeah, for a really long time, I got stuck in that like, oh, I have to have a you know a million dollar business and I have to have courses. And you know, it took me way, way longer because I didn't just let it flow and have the ideas and trust that it was going to work. So it's it's definitely a process of letting go. And I think also it's all about persistence. And I think too many, especially women, just mm-hmm. quit because they tie the sale to their self-worth. Yeah. And those are not related at all. No. And so I think that both of us sharing these stories is going to help other people take more action and not more action, mm-hmm. but continuing to take action when their first funnel flops. Like (laughs) it's going to happen. You will have a funnel that flops. You will have a launch that flops. The only way you're not going to have that is if you're not doing them. Yeah. And so, um, I love this. And just to go back to the tiny offer, what is a few things that you would just have for someone who's like, I think this would work with my business. Where are their next steps? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's doing some research and figuring out doing a little bit of competitive analysis and see if other people are doing it in your industry. And then keeping in mind, like if you had the magic wand and if you had the dream business, what would it look like? What would the tiny offer lead to? And building that whole vision or a value ladder of other products that you could offer and how you would, you know, who you would want to attract into your business, because that's after all, I mean, that's, I think Russell Brunson started calling them break even funnels today, it used to be like a passive income funnel and now it's breaking even, but growing your email list. So who do you want on your email list? And what, how do you want them to feel when you're on your, on your, when they enter onto your email list and how are you going to communicate with them and nurture them and bring them deeper into your world, whether it's recommending uh, that they follow you on Instagram or, you know, join your free Facebook group or something that has that nurturing phase in mind. But as far as like concepts, look at, once you have an idea of who that person is, what did they really want and what did they need? I talk a lot about that efficiency mindset versus lingering mindset is the way that I've coined it is attract someone who has an efficiency mindset and wants to shorten their learning curve or wants to save time and having you do it for them. If you offer too much in that tiny offer, you might attract people who have that lingering mindset where they don't want to invest in anything else. They're not there. They just want to spend their time, but not spend their money. So you want to attract someone who has a willingness to keep going or is attracted to saving that time because it's just a different mindset. I love that. And now what resources do you have for us as well? Yes. Uh, So (laughs) my current tiny offer, one of my current tiny offers is the tinyoffertoolkit.com. It's tiny offer about tiny offers. I know it's very meta. But you can get templates that I've used or my like you can get my live stream calendar. You can get the story templates that I've sold. Um, There's some different slide decks and stuff in there that you can take. And it saves again, because I want to save people time too. I want to attract people who want to save time. It'll save you a ton of time in creating that first tiny offer. And that's where I saw a lot of people get stuck is like in the actual creation phase of the digital products where you can take mine and put your information in it. And people will message me and be like, really? Like, is this, this is too good to be true. Like I can't just have this and customize it for myself, but that's literally, that's what it's there for. I love that. And I love that you want to help people save time. 
I think time is our most valuable resource. And so I appreciate anyone that likes to save me time or any of my listeners. (laughs) So Allie, I know we're about to wrap up, but before we do that, I would love to do some rapid fire. And this is not the first word that comes to your mind, (laughs) but the first thing, are you ready? No pressure. Yes. Okay. So what's your favorite part of your business? The freedom. Love it. And then what does success mean to you? Currently, it means investing in our long-term wealth and building up our real estate empire. Ooh. So are you a whole other topic we could talk about? Yeah. Are you doing Airbnbs or long-term? Not yet. We have single family homes, long-term rentals. We have two um, and we're about to possibly buy a portfolio of like 16 or 17 more properties from someone else. So it would be like a big undertaking, but I'm excited because we're finally in the position to be able to make some moves like that. And we'll link up Mel Abraham's podcast for everyone because that's such a powerful podcast on wealth and building wealth and how to get started. So we'll make sure to link that up as well. And you'll get to meet. I don't know if you know Mel, but you'll get to meet him now. He's an amazing guy. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, He's great. So this one's not on there, but what's your, I know you read a lot. You're like always reading. It feels like 10 books at one time. ADHD to the max. So so what is your favorite business book? And then just like whatever book. Um, Favorite business book would probably be a tie between Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson and then $100 million Offers by Alex Ramosi. Those are like my two favorites. I'm trying to think of the non-business book. I think it's called Why Is That Heart? the wise heart. And it's interesting because it's like about Buddhist teachings, but it's, it was by, it's by Jack Hornfield, um, the wise heart, a guide to the universal teachings of Buddhist psychology. It taught me so much about like just approaching everyone with love and like gratitude and just having like that mindset and that attitude that I take with me everywhere. And it's, it's just such a great book. I'm adding it to my list. I love it. And then what is one business tool you couldn't live without? Click funnels. <laughs> As much as I have like a love hate relationship with them, sometimes like I get frustrated, but just the ability to test so many different things in your funnel and and duplicate it quickly. It's, it's my jam. And I know I totally went off script today. Like Allie's <laughs> probably like, these were not the questions, not even the rapid fire. questions ahead of time. Cause I yeah. may have not looked at them if you did. Oh, right. okay. Perfect. I'm happy to wing it. <laughs> we did send questions, but I totally went off script even with the rapid fire. So I love it. Allie had no idea any of this was coming up. So as always, for it. I love this conversation, but where can my audience connect with you? Cause I know they're going to want to learn more about what you're doing. So I hang out the most on Instagram. Um, I have an odd last name, so you can find me. Um, you know, I don't really have any anyone else that's going to confuse you on there. It's A-L-L-I-E-B-J-E-R-K, Allie Bjerk on Instagram. Otherwise, AllieBjerk.com is my website. And we will link all that up in the show notes. Thank you so much, Allie. Awesome. Thank you, Brandy. Oh, my world, y'all. Allie is such an amazing person. Her heart is so full of gratitude, love, and I love what she's doing and her perseverance and her consistency and the fact that she's willing to try new things when the other things don't work. We talked about, should you launch a tiny offer? When is the right time? What goes into it? The ad strategy. And we talked about the mindset behind launching any funnel and so much more. This episode was jam-packed and I'm so excited for you now to get to know Allie because she's been such a gift in my life. Go tell Allie everything about how amazing this was, what you got out of it. 
And if you're thinking about creating a second revenue stream in your business, but not sure what the right one is, whether it's a course, membership, group coaching, so then you can add a tiny offer to the front, go in and book a growth game plan call with me. That's right. You're going to get a 45-minute call with me to see what your next steps in 2022 with a leverage program is. So if you're ready to take action, launch a course membership or group coaching, and you're ready to make 2022 the year you step into product creation, go to betatobiggie.com and schedule a 45-minute growth game plan call with me. And y'all, until next week, as always, go out, serve your clients, scale your business, and soar into the success you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.